Amen and amen. I told Nate right before service started, um, I told Nate to be praying for me that it's a, a rushed morning and I felt very distracted um, stepping into this place and with several different things, with random people walking by, with uh, random thoughts running through, and it's so good to worship, so good to feel the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord here. I pray that it would linger. I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask that maybe two or three of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to make any show, but would two or three of you commit right now to pray for your pastor right now? That as we speak God's Word, as we dive into this this morning, that there would be clarity, that there would not be confusion, that there would be um, direct words from God, that it would not be hindered by man, and that our focus would be on Him and His Word this morning. If you would pray that for me, that would be fantastic, and thank you for that. Nate, thank you for praying for me as I stepped in this morning. Hashtag trust the process. You guys know that. We see it all over social media. It has come to be some big thing in our society, in our culture, especially around the sports arena. Hashtag trust the process. In 2015, we came to know this modern phrase in relation to the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers general manager, Sam Hinkie, found himself in a usual place with his team. Young, inexperienced, and full of just enough talent to be dangerous. The phrase, trust the process, was spoken by then point guard Tony Wooten. And it stuck. Hashtag trust the process has come to mean that there is a horizon coming, a new day dawning, and a good change about to happen. But we must endure the process of getting there. The phrase took Root this year with the offseason and draft acquisitions that made the 76ers put them to the next level in the NBA. Even so, a team that currently sits at 19 wins and 20 losses so far in the season, they must learn to hashtag trust the process. We come to a similar point today in the life of our church. It's time for us to hashtag trust the process, if you will. We stand upon the precipice of a great calling. Will we endure the process? Or will we take our losses and try to rebuild next year? God has some thoughts on what we shall do with His calling to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I want us to gain some knowledge, some insight, and some wisdom from a familiar story that we know from the Hebrew children this morning. And I want us to see how their error could aid us in making the decision to head over yonder. So if you have your Bibles taken, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, yes, we're going to the Old Testament. There are some great insights, some great truths, some great wisdom to be gained from this text. Numbers chapter 13, if you are there, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Numbers 
We're going to wander through this whole chapter, even into the next chapter, 14. But I just want to read a couple verses for you real quick. Chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. Send men to scout out the land of Canaan that I am giving to the Israelites. Send one man who is a leader among them from each of the tribes. And then we come to chapter 14 and verse 1. Then the whole community broke into loud cries and the people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. And they told them, if we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if we had died in this wilderness, why would the Lord bring us into a land to die by the sword? Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. Verse 10, while the whole community threatened to stone Moses and Aaron, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tent of meeting. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we pray that you would find us faithful in your calling today and the days to follow. God, that we would not be like these who saw and decided that you were not big enough. That we would not be like these who saw and decided that we couldn't do it. But God, that we would jump in, leap in, step into what you've called us to. We want to give you the honor and the glory with your word this morning. May you speak it to our hearts. May you find reason in our minds that you would, your spirit would pour heavy on us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. There is a stark contrast between Numbers 13 and verse 1 and what happens in Numbers chapter 14. And today we are going to walk through what happened in the in-between with the idea that in going ahead in the vision that God has for us to push into Bristow and into Oklahoma and into the states and then ultimately beyond that in long-term partnerships, in kingdom-making strategies with God at the helm and us serving alongside we need to be reminded this morning of the error that can occur and how to avoid it. There's some things that have to happen if we are to go where God has planned for us. You know this story. You know that, I'm going to move that, that way I don't trip over it. But you know this story. You know that the Hebrew children have come out of Egypt. We've seen the movie Ten Commandments. All 18 hours of it, okay? And we've watched and we've loved this story for so long about Moses who was pulled out of the river only by God's divine sovereignty so that he may become a prominent person in Egypt. Only to fail that and to go out to the wilderness and spend many years on a mountainside with goats and sheep. How fitting that he would learn how to herd a bunch of sheep. When it came to a million plus Hebrew children that would have to leave the land of Egypt. And so Moses hears the divine call from God. We know that story, the burning bush. Moses, remove your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. No, we can't take our shoes off in worship, Melissa, I'm sorry. But listen, 
Moses hears the call and he goes forward. Reluctantly, difficultly, but he goes forward. He speaks to the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. Ten times he says no. And finally, when it takes the death of Pharaoh's firstborn son, Pharaoh decides, get them out of here. But that's not the end of the story. The cool part of the story is coming. You've got two million plus people walking through the land of Egypt and all of a sudden they come to the Red Sea. At this point, Pharaoh has decided he's very angry. And he wants to see all of them die by the sword. And so he sends out his chariots to chase them, to come after them. And we know that God led them by a pillar of wind by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he kept them at bay for so long. And he told Moses, hold out your staff over the water and see if I will not part the Red Sea. And Moses holds his staff out and people watch as God parts water. And they walk across on dry land. It's a pretty big deal. They were literally behind the eight ball. They had nowhere to go between a rock and a hard place. And God delivered them. Mightily delivered them. They come a few days later. And I say a few days, it was literally like three days from seeing God's hand. And they come to the wells and they come to water and they complain about not having water would it not have been better for us to die in Egypt than to die from starvation to die from dehydration out here in the desert and Moses upset with the people goes to God and God says listen throw the stick in the water and that bitter water will be sweet and he does it and they drink little did they know that a half a day's walk down the road For two million people, God had already set up 12 wells in an oasis that was planned for them. They had seen God do something mighty and miraculous. Time and again, He had brought food to them. Time and again, He had provided for them. Even in their disobedience, God showed mercy as they made a golden calf. He brought them the law. And we come to the hill at Kadesh. Numbers chapter 13. And God's command is simple. I have promised you this land since Abraham. I have promised that you would dwell in the land of Canaan. The promised land which I have given to you. Go and take. God says, Moses, send men in to look at the land. To see that it is all that I have planned. To see that it is all that I have prepared for you. And those who had watched Moses' hard heart give in. Those who had watched plague after plague after plague. Those who had watched a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of wind by day, those who had watched the Red Sea open up and that walked across dry land, those who had watched as God provided every need that they had. They looked over the land and they came back and they doubted. 
God told them, go in and take the land. And they decided that God still wasn't big enough. There's some keys to going. There's some pieces of the puzzle to going. If we are going to be about the business of going into Bristol with the gospel, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we need to know what it takes. If we're going to be about going into our state and our nation and beyond with the gospel, we need to know what it takes. So as we cast vision, as we look forward to the future, I'm asking you to consider these things today. Asking you to be a part of what it takes to go as we head over yonder. First is this. It takes people to go. It takes people to go. Numbers 13, 1 through 16. We find the people of going. God commands Moses. He says, listen, send men out to scout the land of Canaan. Send one man who is a leader from each tribe. He sent them from the wilderness at the Lord's command. And it gives us their names. I'm not going to read through all of them there. But they have identity. It takes people to go. Going requires people. Moses could not send a dog out to survey the land. He couldn't pull a Noah and send a dove and a raven out to Observe the land. He had to send people. With that in mind, he also couldn't hire it out. This is where we struggle sometimes. Because we want to be about the business of going, but we don't want to be about the business of going. We want to sound like we go a lot, but the reality is is we want to hire that out as much as possible. Praise the Lord for our missions leader, our IMB president, David Platt, who when he came in, he said this simply. He said, listen, we have got to stop. We have got to stop sending our money and start sending our people. He didn't mean that we should defund missions. Don't misunderstand. But what he meant is that we cannot take, have money take the place of our God-given call. To share the gospel. People from among the tribes needed to go into the land to observe it. This is a simple concept. It takes people to go. This is a simple concept, but one of the hardest things to see to in the church. It's one of the hardest things that we have difficulty putting together. It is not difficult in this church to raise money for a mission trip. I've been on the receiving end of that a few times. I've been on the leadership end of that a few times. It's not difficult to raise money in this church for mission work. It is very difficult. Very difficult. For people to show up for it. 
You say, well, Pastor, I, 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 I just can't go across the world. I can't, go, I can't even go across the country. I hear you. I understand that. There's thing, plenty of things we do in this community that has the gospel at its core. Something that we did and that we stopped doing just because there was not participation was that we went out into this community once a month and we served food and we literally had one task that was to share the gospel with anyone that showed up. And one time we had a good showing and then after that, nobody else came to the mission field. It takes people to go. A few things to keep in mind here. We go when God calls us. Verses 1 through 3 there. The Lord spoke to Moses, send men into the land. We go when the Lord calls us to it. We can't just run around like chickens with our head cut off when it comes to the gospel. God has a calling on our life. He may have a calling on your life to go across the street. He may have a calling on your life to go across the office. Across the coffee shop. Maybe across the dining room table. He has a calling on your life to share the gospel. He's calling you to that. Do it. Second, we go go when we're chosen. He's very specific here. One out of each of the 12 tribes. It doesn't take all of us going on a mission trip. It'd be really cool. It'd be a logistical nightmare, but it'd be really cool to take 150 people on a mission trip. But I'm going to be honest with you, that doesn't need to happen because there's some that aren't called to that. There are some that are called right here in Bristow. To go. Not necessarily to go across the world, but to go to the person next door. God has chosen you specifically in your life circumstances, in your place of business, in your home, in your community, in your neighborhood, on the street you live on. Don't for a second think that you did all that. God is sovereign in the affairs of man and He has placed you where He has placed you so that you may be a light for the gospel and speak it to whoever you find there. He's chosen you for that. Another thing to keep in mind is that we go behind leaders. This is an interesting part of the text. Verse 3. Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the Lord's command. All the men were leaders. In Israel. Leaders. Be the leader in going. Be the person that God has called you to be in leading people to go. Don't take a back seat. Don't try to hire it out. Don't try to push it aside. Be the leader that God has called you to be and lead others in going. Deacon, Sunday school teacher. Worship team. Be the leader that God has called you to. We go with resolve. When we go, we go with resolve. 
I wrote this in the, the newsletter this week. Do your best and do it quickly. And as my, as my buddy Seth reminded me, we should put that on plaques and stuff everywhere. We should put it in our house. Do your best and do it quickly. I think that's going to be my own personal motto whenever my child comes to me with anything. Do your best and do it quickly. I'm going to put it all over our church. Put it everywhere that I can see it. Do your best and do it quickly. When God had called them, He wanted the best of them to go. And He wanted them to do their best and He wanted them to do it quickly. And they did. Something else to to keep in mind here. Notice that we aren't talking about titles and positions and committees here. We're talking about people going. Going individually when they're called. Going. God bless you for your service on a committee in this church, on a team in this church, but understand that that position does not excuse you from the gospel call to go. Albert Hubbard said, A committee is a thing which takes a week to do what one good man could do in an hour. It's also been said, A camel looks like a horse that was planned by a committee. What I'm saying is that the gospel has yet to be spread by a group of people sitting around a table talking through finances and policies. Church, let's be about the business of going. The only way that vision ever carries out is if we go. The only way that the call of God will ever carry out in our life is if we go. It takes people to go. Second, it takes vision to go. It takes vision to go. Look at the text right there. Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 17. Moses sent them to scout the land and he told them this. He said, go up there, find this, find this, bring this back. See if this is good. See if it is bad. Tell me who is there. Moses had an idea when he sent them out. He had a vision, a place that was specific. I'd love to sit here and preach on vision for a long time, but we know the biblical principle. We know that where there is no vision, the people perish. We know that what, when a man builds a house without first determining the cost, it's futile for him. And, and what king goes to battle without first counting his men? We understand what vision is and why it's necessary. But I want to hone in on something else this morning. Specific to the vision. Notice in the text here that the vision journey was not only fruitful, but it sought out which was good for celebration. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? DJ, what are you talking about? Look here with me. When Moses sent them to scout out the land, verse 17, he told them, go up this way to Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. 
Is the land they live in good or bad? Are the cities they live in encampments or fortifications? Is the land fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous. And then he says something very interesting. Bring back some fruit from the land. For it was the season for the first ripe grapes. They were told to bring back grapes. Because it was time for them to be ripe. In the midst of this vision, Moses says, bring back the grapes. And they brought back a cluster to show that the harvest was plentiful. That the harvest was plentiful. Oh church, please don't miss this. The harvest was plentiful. It takes people of vision to see that the harvest is ready to be picked and that we must go into the field now. We must go now. When we catch the vision, when they heard that, they went and they brought back that which they were sent to get. The vision for our church includes going and finding those that are lost and bringing them back. To further drive this point on, let me ask you. Grapes are used to make wine, correct? It's okay. You don't have to be all righteous and uppity right now. They're used to make wine, right? Okay. What does wine represent in the New Testament? The blood. The new covenant of Jesus Christ. The gospel message. Our vision for the next week, the next month, the next year and the next ten years should include and ultimately be centered on the gospel message of Jesus Christ. When Moses sent them into the land, he said, I want you to find the grapes and I want to see what they look like. I want to know if the harvest is there. I want to know if there is something worth celebrating. If we have the means to celebrate. I want to know if this is part of what God has brought us to. In his vision, in the desire that Moses had for them to enter the land, it was only going to be important if the grapes were there. Church, as we push into what God has for us, understand this, it's only going to be important if it hinges on the blood of Jesus Christ, if it hinges on victory in Him, if it hinges on those who do not know Him, Coming into new covenant with Him. There are grapes out there. The harvest is plentiful. We need to go. We know the text in Matthew, Matthew 9.38. Jesus had compassion on the crowd and He looked over and He said to His disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Pray then to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. Can I tell you that every Tuesday for about the last eight months, uh, every first Tuesday, 
our association, our pastors have spent time in prayer together. Spending time focusing on praying for the harvest. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would go into the harvest. That you would see the grapes, the clusters full. And bring them back. With that comes vision. I'm going to say a few things. I'm going to speak a few visions out. A few challenges out to us. For the coming years, for the coming days. First is this. 125 by 125. Some of you, I said numbers and your eyes glazed over. That's fine. 125 by 125. A piece of the vision for our church is this challenge for us. 125 baptisms by our 125th anniversary. For anyone that can't compute that right now, that's 125 baptisms by the year 2027. Or 12 baptisms a year for the next 10 years. Personally, I believe that this goal is greatly achievable. And just think of the implications that 12 baptisms a year for our church would have. Discipleship by multiplication begins to take place. And these numbers just compound on top of each other. I'm asking you to join with me in this goal. And begin pushing forward with reaching the lost of Bristow with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Honestly, I wouldn't mind us meeting that goal sooner rather than later. But how do we reach such a goal? Well, I know the church mind, I know how this goes. We think to ourselves, well, surely the pastor can share the gospel with 12 people that will get saved in one year, right? Surely Nate can have enough conversations with a student over lunch that 12 baptisms should be pretty easy. Surely through kids camp in Falls Creek, 12 baptisms is really achievable. That may be the case. But I can tell you that under that premise for what we've tried to do, we had two baptisms last year. Two. And glorious that they are. But just two. Sad stat for you, we did better than about 65% of those churches in the Southern Baptist Convention with our two baptisms. But that's nothing to be proud of. It takes every member, you and I, as members of the body of Christ, as members of this church, it takes us personally investing in the gospel work in our own lives. That we would take hold of the call of the gospel. That we would put it out. Just to have God, the God of the harvest, call to Himself those around us. 125 by 125, we're only going to do it if you, each one of us, individuals, take part of the gospel work. It's time for you to stop just showing up at church. Start showing up in the lives of the lost people around you. Something that those of us who went on the student mission trip to Memphis this last summer come to realize was that there are many similar mission opportunities right here in Bristow. 
With that notion embedded deep within my heart, the Lord began to show me that Bristow, our very own community, and specifically our very own church here at FBC, could become a missions hub in our area. The idea is not only that we would be diligent about doing it in our community, about going into our community, but that we would also could be the host for others to come and help us in the gospel work right here in Bristow. For 2018, in keeping with the number 125, I believe that part of the vision for our church is to see an importance and an excellence brought back to Sunday school. The outcome of that for this year will be an average of 125 in Sunday school. We currently average 110. If everybody here in this room would show up, for Sunday school, we could be 125 easy. Nate and I attended our first meeting of the Beta Collective this past Thursday, which is an initiative put forth by the BGCO to see Sunday school do what it was intended to do in its origin, be the evangelism, discipleship, and ministry vehicle of the church. Look for some minor and some major changes to be coming with our Sunday school as part of the vision for our church. For 2018, our main task is to be witnesses in Jerusalem. I shared with the deacons last year what I believe is God is moving us to in the next several years. And that begins with an Acts 1-8 mentality. That begins with us starting first in Jerusalem, starting first in Bristow, and establishing sustainable, efficient and effective ministry and missions here in Bristow. That's this year for us. Our missions and ministry efforts as a church will be focused here in Bristow. Not going to be neglecting missions around the world. Our giving to those missions organizations that we are a part of, that we support, will not stop. But rather we will be building a foundation and a culture of missions here at our church. Giving will be focused towards gospel efforts in Bristow. But not just in our giving, in our going as well. Our ultimate goal and vision for 2018 and beyond this is this. FBC exists to lead people to know God and to make Him known. You will begin to hear me say that more and more. That will begin to be the drive by which we do all things. That we are here Not only to lead people to know God, but also to make Him known. We have two purposes in this life. To know the one who created us and to tell everyone else about Him. That's going to be what takes us forward. Now I know that many of those are generalized. Many of those are not very specific. And if you would like to hear specifically exactly what is desired of you as a church member, as a person of the body of Christ here, then come talk to me. I'd love to share with you. Lastly, it takes change to go. It takes people to go and it takes vision to go. 
but it also takes change to go. It's going to require big faith. There's giants over there. We know the report of the spies. They come back and the men, they, they say, we even saw giants. We saw the descendants of Anak. We even saw the Nephilim. We have seen people, beings, things that are bigger than we could possibly even imagine. There was two young boys in those 12 spies, Caleb and Heshua, which is Joshua. And they came back and they said, oh, no, no, no. Listen. Let's go up now and take possession of the land that God has called us to, because we will certainly conquer it. And what happens, as we see in chapter 14, is very, very Disturbing, disconcerting, depressing. When we think about the vision that God's called us to. Numbers chapter 14. The people say, no, we can't. The whole community broke into loud cries and the people wept that night. They began to say, we'd be better off back in slavery than to go forward with what God has called us to. Verse 2 is very telling. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2, very telling. And if I didn't know any better, I'd guess that this was this, this first part of chapter 14 was a report of minutes from a Baptist business meeting. Think about it. They complained about the leadership they wanted to go back to the way that it was. Insert a pity party about verse 3. And finally they put together a search committee in verse 5, or 4 and 5. You see, we always come to this point where we have to change, but it's hard. And the grand point of this story is that you and I have the great knowledge of seeing what God had intended for the people. And it's so easy for us to sit here in our piety and self-righteousness and condemn the Hebrew children for not going into the land. But, we do the same thing, church. We come to the hill at Kadesh. Not just us, but churches all over. We come to the hill at Kadesh and we look over the land and we say to each other, there is no way we can do this. Do you not see what we're up against? We just want the comfort of how it used to be. This is going to be too hard. And so on. My challenge to you this morning is to not miss out on the great things that God has for us. Simply because of little faith. Remember what God has done and what He promises to do again. I want to close with this. 
Remember how we discussed the branches of grapes earlier? It's a critical part of the story. Though the land was flowing with milk and honey, Moses only desired them to bring back the cluster of grapes. I bet they hadn't had honey in 400 years at least. The land is flowing with milk and honey and Moses asked them to bring back a cluster of grapes. He wanted them to bring back the representation of victory. You see, wine is a victor's drink. Christian, like we said, we have the new covenant with Christ. It is our victory. Why would we not enter what God has called us to? knowing that we have the victory. And for anyone who's here and is not a follower of Jesus Christ, will you grab hold of that branch this morning? You see, Jesus' blood was shed for you so that you may have victory over death, hell, and the grave. A victor's drink The wine, the blood, the new covenant of Jesus Christ. He didn't guarantee victory in life, but joy in knowing that He would deliver. Unbeliever, you can do that this morning. You can take hold of that branch. Christian, we have the victory if we will simply walk down the right side of the hill at Kadesh. We can go into what God has called us to, or we can go back. Are we going to be people of going? Are we going to have vision as we go? Are we going to be willing to change as we go? Let's wrestle with those things this morning. I pray that God would find us faithful as Caleb and Joshua coming back and saying, hey, we can do this. We can head over yonder. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The vision, the vision for our church is simple. Simply go. Go into what God has called us to. He's called us here. There's a reason that we are First Baptist Church of Bristow. It's because God has put us here to take the gospel message into our community. God will specifically show us what that looks like. He'll lead and guide in every scenario of what that looks like. But more than anything right now, what He wants is He wants commitment. 
God didn't tell them on the hill of Kadesh that if they would just walk down to Jericho like they would end up doing 40 years later. He didn't tell them if they would walk down to Jericho and walk around the city that he would crumble the walls. They hadn't got that far yet. He didn't tell them of the countless times that they would stand in front of giants and watch giants fall. At the very name of Jesus, at the very name of God of Israel. He didn't tell them that. What he wanted, he wanted commitment. He wanted us to trust and have faith in the promise. And He's wanting that for you and I. As we step out into whatever that looks like here in Bristow, He just wants commitment. He just wants you to say, God, I'll go. I know that it's crazy. I know that there's giants. I know that there's all kinds of obstacles. But you promised, and I'll go. Christian church member, are you going to go? Are you going to be part of that going? The people of going, are you going to be that? Ask the Lord to show you that this morning. How that looks. What He's desiring of you in that. You may be here and you may be lost. You may not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to tell you that there's victory in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a reason. That he can claim victory. It's because he died for the sins of the world and then he rose again so that we could have eternal life. And he wants to offer that to you this morning. If, if you are without, then you come. Grab the branch. Take hold of the blood of Jesus Christ this morning. As they begin to play and sing, Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to make a decision, you come forward. If you need to spend time at this altar, you come forward. Spend time right where you're at, praying and seeking the Lord on what going looks like in your life, personally, individually. Leaders, how has God called you to lead in this church? Ask Him to show you.